Hello, welcome to more of the Richard Herring podcast feed, powered by Acast Plus. Uh, hope you're enjoying all these tour podcasts. There is still a chance to catch some, though they're selling out very fast. Uh, we, in fact, Sheffield on the 7th of March sold out. Uh, but check the theatre website for returns. Uh, Monday, the 11th of March, Adam Buxton and Lemsis A in the Leicester Square Theatre sold out. But you can get tickets for the Warwick Arts Centre, where I'm talking to Lindsay Santoro and the Exploding Heads internet phenomenon, and at Bedford on the 21st, where I'm talking to Olaf Falafel and my old friend Al Murray. I'm at Glasgow uh, on the 27th of March, sold out, Susie McCabe and Fred McCauley, and then at Hull on the 28th of March with Tommy Cannon and Bob Morton. Uh, there are three tickets left as I talk to you so get there quick if you want to come and see that also this richardherring.com slash come and see me on tour doing stand-up for the first time in six years richardherring.com slash ballback coming lots of places around England and some places in Scotland uh, and that's about it for the moment all right sit back relax and enjoy rahalastapa Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello, Royal Tunbridge Wells. Please welcome a man whose management may have overestimated his popularity in this town. It's Richard Herring. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you very much. How lovely to see you. Thanks for coming along. Uh, welcome to Richard Herring's Lots of Seats in Tunbridge Wells podcast. <laughs> Though I was uh, hanging around in Waitrose in Royal Tunbridge Wells, uh, which only exists in Richard Osman's mind. The uh, home prices, in the house prices in Richard Osman's mind are even more expensive than the actual Royal Tunbridge Wells. So imagine how much it would cost to live in there. Uh, he calls it Rallis. So I don't know if that's going to... And thank you to everyone who's turned up. Thank you for choosing me over Barry Oakey. I don't, I don't know. I'm going to pretend that that's the reason uh, we haven't sold out tonight, but I'm not sure there's much crossover in our audiences. But uh, I did prepare some karaoke from Encanto for you. <laughs> I won't, I've done it before. I love Encanto. I might start singing it later if things, if things are going badly. Uh, he's doing fantastically well. It's good to, good to see Shane, Shane Wilkinson-Williams, um, um, who's been a guest before, but uh, wasn't available this evening. So, uh, yeah, didn't ask him. Uh, and I just thought, it is lovely to be in Royal Tunbridge Wells. Thank God I'm not in Tunbridge. That's what I'm saying. I mean, that I call Tombridge. I think that's the correct... Who do Tombridge think they are? Trying to pass themselves off as you guys. It's, I mean, it, admittedly, they were there first, but it's not, that's not the point. Are they royal? No. Do they have some wells? No, they don't. Do they have a waitrose? Yes, in the garage, they do. They have better railway service? Yes, they do, but that's... <laughs> that's... Uh, and it's lovely to be. What a fantastic venue, uh, Tunbridge Wells. Assembly Hall Theatre is a kind of... Uh, 
found that interesting because it's got three names, all of which mean basically a place you go, assembly hall, theatre. It could be any of those three. It's quite hard to remember. Then I wondered if they put the hall in there just to make sure the acronym wasn't twat. That, that's, uh, that's... <laughs> could be that. Um, anyway, look, my guest tonight, uh, she is probably best known for her appearance on The Unstoppable Yellow Yeti. That's why... That's why she's here tonight. That's why we're all here tonight. Will you please welcome the incredible Beck Hill, ladies and gentlemen. Beck Hill. Beck Hill. She's back. Beck Hill. Hey. Looking resplendent in a Space Invaders dress. I am wearing a Space Invaders dress, yes. Very. I haven't seen a Space If I could, if I'd seen that, I'd be wearing that as well tonight. Yes, well, uh, surprise! <laughs> Fantastic. Um, I, first of all, I should say, this is the second time you've been on. Yes. And the last time you were on, we, was it in Wells? And now it, you're in Tunbridge, Tunbridge Wells. So we've got to add a, a third word <laughs> yeah. to the next one. We'll have to do another one, yeah. I, I think I did suggest this on Twitter, and quite a lot of people suggested places with Wells in the title. So if you, if you, if you want to come back... Is someone trying to kill me? <laughs> to come to Let's get somewhere world. we can drown her. <laughs> There is one by the sea. Two wells is by the sea, I think. Um, tell us about the... Um, I, I do. I have an emergency question. Of, have you ever seen a Bigfoot? And you're in the unstoppable Yellow Yeti. I'm, well, I'm not in it. I wrote on it. It's an oh, animated it's series. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a Disney show, which okay. I have not yet watched. Because <laughs> it was released in Finland. Oh, really? And I do not live there. So oh. I haven't seen it yet. They're not sending you copies? Uh, no, not yet. No, I, well, I think it's going to air here, but I, um, I write on a lot of animated shows. Yes. And after a while, you, you stop, you, you lose count. <laughs> and you just, you, when I first started writing on, on TV, for TV shows, you know, I'd be like sitting there as soon as it came out and pausing the TV and be like, look, there's my name in the credits. Sure. And, and now I'll get just occasionally a text from someone who goes, oh, did you write on this show? And I'm like, did I? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think I did. Yeah. I once heard a children's TV, like a, no, it was a radio thing, and it came on the radio, and I kind of thought, oh, that guy sounds a bit like me. <laughs> uh, and there was Marek Larwood and people, and I said, oh, this is a really good cast. And then I realised it was me, and it was something I'd recorded about 10, 15 years ago, but wow. I'd totally, totally forgotten about, and, I, and didn't even recognise myself in for uh, properly courageous. So, yes, it gets, it gets worse as you get older, Beck. It's all right. Oh, you're, good. You're young. Good. It's fine. Um, uh, look, last time you were on, we did discuss your fantastic flip chart comedy that people may have seen. You've done, you've done it on uh, Jonathan Ross. Oh, and thank you. It's all over YouTube. If you haven't seen it, please go and check it out. It's amazing. But I did point out that on the Wikipedia page, it says this, is, uh, th- this art form is called Kamashibai. A Japanese yes. form, uh, and, it, and at the time, six years ago, it said citation needed. <laughs> it still says citation needed. So that, that's the power of Rahalastapa. I feel like I feel like the fact that it was mentioned in it means that that should now be referred to. Mm. As well, we've done it twice. Is it definitely that? Is that what it's called? The uh... I don't know. Okay, <laughs> I don't know. No. Well, like I, because I, what I, I, as far as I'm aware, what I do is I'm the only person who does specifically what what that is. Yes, it's kind of like. It's like a cross between. It's like a pop up book, but two dimensional. Live animation. Yeah. I call it paper puppetry. Is my term for it. Um, yeah. uh, but but it, there's like a traditional Japanese style of storytelling, which is essentially showing pictures on on boards. And, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's different than that. I mean, it doesn't have as many bums in that. I bet as, as there nowhere is near stuff. as many bums in the Japanese one, <laughs> as far as I'm, I'm aware. Yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll check that for sure. There's but, a lot of pictures of bums, I should say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you take, you know, you, you often take. Well, it's, they're nearly always to music, right? And the and it's misheard. It's sort I, of. I do a lot of misheard lyrics ones. Yeah. 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 Which are terrifically good fun, and you know, but there must be. I was thinking there must be very hard to come up with, but they also you must. Um, I mean, you do, do, you, you do, they tend to be a YouTube video rather than a live thing generally, right? Or do you well, do them live as well? it started out as a live thing and then I would, uh, I would film them uh, because I'd do them in my live shows and then I would film them and then stick them on YouTube as like an archive just to be like, well, it's there now. Like I'm, now I'm performing a different bit in a new show. And then they started to get traction online and then people started to see me because they'd seen the flip charts online. And I was like, and this was around the time that the internet 
everyone started to go, oh, it can be promotional. Yeah. This is quite a while ago. And um, so then it started going the other way around where I would make one, film it, and then put it in a show. Right. So that, um, yeah, people could come see it done. It's all done in sort of one go live. Yeah, yeah. but there's a lot of work in each one, right? And so, like, if it doesn't work, you know, that's what that's if it's no good. I have a cupboard full of flip charts that people did not find amusing, <laughs> and I have spent days and days on them like, honestly, a yeah. cupboard full of them. I sometimes I think about just selling the rejects off for charity, and then and and then as time goes on, I'm like, maybe I should just sell them off for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, you should. They're beautiful things, so you should. Uh, talking of art, you and you and I have both recently had our art displayed in a proper art gallery. Yes. Uh, in Hitchin, it counts because mm-hmm. uh, we we both. Well, I you know I I cheated my way and you you did a fantastic thing. It was called Samaravan, so it was for the Samaritans, and you had to take a VW a picture of a VW van and and change it however you wished to. Do yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I got my daughter to do mine. It's very cute. I saw it at the exhibition. It's adorable. (laughs) It's driven by a giraffe. Yes, the giraffe Uh, is my favourite. And I I coloured in the grass. So it's still, it's a collaboration. (laughs) It went for, ours went for like £129, which I was very pleased with. Phoebe was over the moon with and thinks that she can now sell art. Well, you've got to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's expecting that much money. If you want one of her pictures, that's what you're going to have to pay. But yours... Was but again, it was using these same techniques a little bit. There were some flaps and lights. Yeah, I and... put some little like I like interaction. I like yeah. things. So yeah, so there was a little. I gave it a little uh, sort of door that opened when you pulled the flap and the headlight switch on and light up on the on the on the artwork. It yeah. was fun. Yeah, and you got like three hundred and eighty pounds or something for yours. So yeah, yeah, was... that means you're a better artist than my daughter, than uh, my eight-year-old daughter. I don't think that's how art works. <laughs> <laughs> a lot think... of artists, there are a lot of famous artists that made not a penny during their <laughs> lifetime. That's true. That's true. Well, so good. Well, congratulations, and that was uh, very nice to see. To see, there was hundreds of them. They did amazingly well. Yeah, Jodie raised... Whittaker was, had. I think hers was the one that sold for yeah, the Jody most. Yeah, Jodie Whittaker sold for a few thousand. They raised over forty thousand pounds. That's amazing. good. Amazing work. Um, let I, I really want to talk about. We might put this out as a book podcast. We do a very classy, and now we're in Royal Tunbridge Wells. <laughs> we do a very classy version of this podcast where we talk to people about. Their books, and we're going to do that for a little while, and then we'll go back to talking about farts and stuff. <laughs> Actually, there's plenty of stuff in these books. Yeah. But you, uh, I was very excited to see you'd written these three books. I didn't know about this. These are the last three years. You've, you've written a series of books called Horror Heights, uh, obviously aimed at uh, sort of eight to 12, 13 year olds or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what the publishers say. Yeah. I very much wrote them for myself. Yes. And then made sure that they were child friendly. <laughs> yes. I really, I read the first one and I loved it. I was waiting for my car to get its service and I sat down and read the whole thing. In oh, that sitting. was really, thank and you. It was, and it was so enjoyable. My wife, as you know, in your friend yes. of my wife, writes kids' books. So, you know, and I know how hard it is and I know how difficult it is to get all the, get it right and get it funny and get it exciting. So these sort of a reminiscence to me of, a, of Round the Twist or more, a more recent... I mean, that makes me, that get brought with the... That makes me very happy because um, Paul Jennings was the author behind Round the Twist. Yes. Uh, well, the, well, he wrote a bunch of books in Australia. Called, uh, they all started with Un, so like Uncanny and Unbelievable. And, uh, uh, and they were all sort of collections of short, strange, funny stories. And then the show Round the Twist, um, which you guys got over here, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So like, if I go, have you ever... <laughs> it's amazing. That's lovely. It's That's like Barioki in here tonight, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he won't be doing that one. He's missing a trick, isn't he? <laughs> yes, he, he? Yeah. really has. <laughs> uh, and, and all the all the episodes were based on on the short stories that he wrote, yes. and he adapted them. And um, and so I was a huge fan of Paul Jennings growing up. Yeah. And um, and I managed to get a quote from him on the book, which oh, right. was like he was such a huge uh, inspiration for me. Yeah. Um, when I was younger, and I desperately wanted to do that, and so yeah, that felt like a full circle. Well, it's, it's, they're really terrific. From the first one is, uh, it's about, I mean, I'm presuming that the family are the same family in each one. Are they the kids of the same kids in each one? No, I no? decided to make it very difficult for myself. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> lockdown had just started. So I was like, right, not only is this the first time I've written books, but let, let's add an extra challenge in there because I've got nothing else going on at the moment. 
And so I decided to make it that all the books are standalone, but they also all took place on the same weekend okay. to kids in the same class. Okay. So some of the scenes cross over. Oh, I like so it. So if you read some of the books, you see some of the, the characters cross over in other scenes and you get a scene from a different perspective. Um, I love there was it. actually 13 storylines. I'm still waiting for the publishers to see if they will take the remaining 10. <laughs> right. But, um, but I had, you know, that, uh, that meme from the Always Sunny, not the, the, the gif of the guy from Sunny, Always Sunny in Philadelphia with all the, the strings and oh, yes. stuff. Yeah. And he's, that's what I had basically to work out where all the plot lines were going and make sure that they all crossed over. Oh, amazing. Well, the characters are great. And it's, you know, and I think it's very difficult to write good. Characters of kids that kids are going to find believable. You know, you're you're grown up, so you you know, and you grew up, you know, twenty years ago, baby. So it's it's it's. Uh... Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's... Uh, you could argue I'm still growing up now. <laughs> yeah, to be you fair, you could do. But to get that right, they feel very real. And uh, the first one is about a girl who likes slime and brings yes. slime into school and keeps on getting it uh, confiscated from her, but then sort of accidentally makes a living slime. Mm, yes. That's a sort of character. And it's a rip, such a lovely idea. And then it's fun to begin with. And then it starts getting quite scary. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah, actually. And I can say, because weirdly, the last time I was in this venue was for the Literature Festival, where I was doing a talk about the books for, for kids. And I don't delve into this with the, with the kids, because a lot of them are very young. But um, it's, I hadn't intended this, but it was sort of pointed out to me that, like, so uh, you realise it's very much like a, uh, an analogy for an abusive relationship. And I was like, oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> like, it all starts off real nice and then he gets, but turns into a monster. Yeah. Yeah, but, um, but it's all about, you know, her finding her autonomy and stuff, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, it's, I think, you know, getting that's such an appealing idea and it's such a magic idea that this uh, slime, per, blob of slime, I guess, grows in a dustbin and then... And then it learns and learns all about humanity, which you see, you know, you see that a lot, like an alien learning about humanity from TV and stuff. But it kind of picks up everything and then becomes autonomous and clever and grows teeth, which is a great. Yeah, that's a great detail. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's a fun bit. I really enjoyed it. The the the, the slime monster is called Big, um, Big Big Yikes is is its full name, and. Um, I really enjoyed writing Big Yikes a lot. Like, and it's weird because you get a voice in your head and you can't really express it on the page, but as soon as you, it's in there, you can't stop, stop thinking about it. But yeah, yeah, Big Yikes is a, is a fun character. Uh, you'll just have to read it. You will have to read it. <laughs> was, was it slime? So, I mean, slime's a really good thing to choose. Was it, was, did you, how did you come up with that idea? Was it something you were interested in or just thought kids love slime? This would be a great monster. Uh, no, well, so I loved slime as a kid because slime, the, the pre-packaged slime stuff was a thing when I, so I first remember it coming about uh, when I was a kid and I loved it. Um, and then Gak, I think it was called when I was growing up. Oh, really? Gak. Okay. That's something um, else. You could like, is it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what? I hope it wasn't Gak if you were a kid. What's Gak here? It's like a little of the old... Uh... Oh! That's, yeah. the, that's like what would come out of your nose. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. in a, like Gak, yeah, was, and it was G-A-K, Gak. Yeah. And it was, uh, yeah, and it would like... It would make fart noises if you yeah. squished it and everything, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah what fun. And so... Did I this... can't believe no one's... I can't believe... I've lived here for 15 years. And <laughs> this just goes to show how... Little people offer me drugs. <laughs> Imagine if one day I'd be like, "Yeah, I have some slime." Nah, this isn't slime. And so, did this? You know, how did how did it come about? Was this something you always wanted to do? I know you've been doing lots of work on with, in children's TV, so you've been presenting a a, 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 a an art show on on CBBC. Yeah, actually, yeah, that came afterwards. Oh, so, um, yeah, so I was um, well, it came about the same time, weirdly. Uh, but it didn't fully start filming until um, after I'd already started the series. But, yes, yeah, so I got to host a show on CITV called Makeaway Takeaway, yep. which was so good they decided to close the channel. So <laughs> they were like, yeah, we're not making anything better than this. Let's just quit while we're ahead. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's using your art skills, presumably, to, to create... One, you sort of take heart for that, which again, you might not know that reference. Uh, no, take, no, but it was, um, no, but we got Art Attack in Australia, right, okay, yeah. yeah. So that was, again, I grew up big Neil Buchanan fan. So, yeah, uh, yeah there's a lot of, ins a lot of uh, similarities yeah. <laughs> in the shows. So that, so was it, 
so it wasn't them approaching you because of that. You'd obviously come up with these ideas and took them to a publisher. Is that is that how this worked? Or is it... Yeah, yeah. So with Horror Heights, it, Horror Heights was originally meant to be a book of short stories because right. that that's what I really liked about Paul Jennings' books. Yeah. Um, and I have a very short attention span. And so short stories are like my happy spot. And as I said, I write on a lot of animated shows. So a lot of the animated shows, um, especially for kids, are usually between 5 and 16 minutes. Um, so you can usually bash out a script in a day. Uh, like you've got to do drafts and everything. You've but got you to can... pretend you've worked on it. You've got to, yeah. you, you don't give it I in for a week. This. I say bash out a script. <laughs> I come with like half of my life experience now. <laughs> so it's quicker for me than it would have been originally. But, um, but yeah, I'm, like, I'm quite used to it. Because, you know, you can see a whole story in, in you know, because it's short. So yeah. you're about like... Between you tend to allow like a page per minute when you're writing scripts, so between five and sixteen pages, that's an, an you know that's a decent amount. And so I was like, yeah, short stories, I could do that. And then uh, and they came back and they said, um, oh, we do, we don't publish books of short stories for kids, uh, but do you think you could turn them into books uh, for each short story? And um, lockdown had just begun, right. and my entire tour had just been cancelled. And I wasn't sure if this make-way, take-way was going to get made because everything had shut down. And I said, yeah, I can write full books, sure. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, yeah, so they ended up being uh, longer than intended. Um, and it was a real learning curve. I'm, I'm happy with how they turned out, but it was a, was a big learning curve. Yeah. Yeah, to go from just a little... Also, because when you write short things, you send it off and you get your, your notes and your... People say it's funny or it's not funny or da 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 da. But with a book, it takes a lot longer to write that and yeah. then get feedback. And that like that's just a strange thing to me. To not get that immediate feedback from something is sure. very isolating. It's very strange. Yeah, I mean it, that's the hardest thing I think about. I mean writing is you know I, I think if, especially in lockdown because then you're isolated, mm. doubly isolated. But it is you know I think I, when I've been writing. And only writing, it's driven me absolutely nuts. Yeah. Think. Because if you're not getting out of the house and doing, you know, you can easily just stay in the house all the time trying oh, to write and failing to write. There was a there was a period of time where I, and it feels, it feels silly saying this about kids' books, um, because, you know, for, um, you know, relatively short compared to, you know, adult books. But, adult books? Relative <laughs> 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 to grown-up books. <laughs> um, but... I, like there was a period where uh, I just didn't leave my desk. I'd get up at 6 a.m., start writing and be there till like 11 p.m. And I wasn't showering and I was not eating well. And it took my husband sort of going, oh, this room smells a bit funky, <laughs> <laughs> to sort of like eventually like snap me out of it. But you get sort of really when because of that period of time, it's like it's very easy to just become so focused. Yeah, uh, Yeah, it was strange. And it, it took someone saying to me, I'd been saying they're just kids' books. And then uh, it, was, it took a friend um, in Australia saying, it's not just a kids' book, it's a book. You've never written a book. That's a really big deal for me to actually go, oh, yeah, you're right, it is really hard. I'm glad, because I, like, I felt really ashamed for finding it hard. Yeah. And then, you know, because it's something I wanted to do. I liked it, I enjoyed it. But I felt this weird, like, conf- conflicting feeling about, like, oh, this this is meant to be easy because I want to do it. And yes. then... When it wasn't, I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't be doing it. Maybe it's wrong. And yeah, so it was... yeah, I mean, there's a snobbishness, I think. I was at a book launch for something else, and a guy, a guy came up to me and my wife and said, Oh, I do a podcast about books. Uh, and I said, Oh, well, I've written books. And my wife also writes books, and she said, I write children's books. He goes, Oh, yes, I think children's books are just as good, <laughs> just as equal to adult books. I was like, well, if you think that, why did you say that? Like, yeah, yeah. No one said they weren't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one's saying they aren't. Uh, so, and, and it's a real skill. You know, it's, I think it's a little bit maybe devalued because so many comedians uh, apparently have kids' books out. And, and how many of those comedians write those books and how many of them don't is another question that we haven't got time to get into. <laughs> But, you know, I think some, some of them do write them, but, it's, but it's, a, it's, a, it's not just something that you can go, oh, you know, I'm funny, I can write a funny book for kids. Mm. I'd love to do, I'd love to write kids' books, but, I, you know, I've, I actually find that kind of more intimidating and scary than, than you know, than, than, and I find writing, writing a novel, the idea of writing a novel, I find it like just the concentration required too much. Mm. But I think with, to get that, get right, and they're, they're, they're fun because they're a little bit rude. They're a little bit kind of. There's a little few kind of approaching adult themes and you know, oh yeah yeah. But it's but it's 
well handled, so no one has to, no parent has to worry. But it, I think kids will go, oh wow, this is this is a bit more out of control than I'm used to, right? I think you know the, the, this situation, the first one, it gets get sort of into you know scary territory, and kids love to be scared. So yeah, yeah, that's it. Well, I think people. I, I think the reason that people underestimate kids and, and kids' books and kids' media uh, is that, you know, for some reason people seem to think that the, the kids are dumb. <laughs> and it, it, it's, it's really strange because when you think pretty much everyone I know who I speak to and when I think about myself, my own childhood, one thing I remember is all I wanted was to, was to watch or, or, you know, experience whatever my parents would do. You know, I, I watched Red Dwarf when I was seven. I didn't get most of the jokes, but I loved it. I thought it was yeah. great. And because my parents found it funny. And so I was like, well, it must be good. And then, of course, as you get older, you start to, like, understand it more and more. And, you know, this is quite, this is good writing, you know. And, and I, I think there's a – you don't tend to learn stuff until you're exposed to it. And, yeah. and, you know, Red Dwarf was a fairly safe – it was still, like, sort of a pre-watershed-ish type, you know – um, uh, thing and you, I just think that there's not I, I feel like at some point everyone just sort of not everyone but a lot of people seem to forget how important it is to not talk down to kids yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the shame I think that was the shame with um, uh, the only problem with kids channels like CITV and CBBC and stuff is that once they segregated children's TV from from grown up TV then it became, well, that's for kids and this is for adults. Yeah. And actually there's so many, you, you've got kids, there's so many kids shows that are like really funny and clever and good and just no one sees them because as soon as you hit a certain age, you're like, well, that's for kids. I'm not going to watch that. It's going to be, it's going to be, you know, dumb. Yeah. And then you're like, well, it's, it's no more dumb than most of the stuff that's on adult channels. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. And, you know, and I think you're right. I think, you know, as an adult, I, I was reading this book and enjoying it as, as you know, as, a, as an adult. It, it, does, it doesn't feel like, you know, it doesn't feel like you have to be a kid to read it. Um, and, you know, adults should read it because it's fun having a bit of slime that has teeth and has to kill you. <laughs> What could be more fun than that? And it does feel like it should. I mean, I'm sure you, uh, you you would love for it to be a TV show, but it it feels like it's. Uh, it, it nearly was right, and uh, and then um, when CITV closed, the right. uh, producers that uh, wanted to develop it got cold feet. Right. Yeah, but um, if anyone's listening <laughs> who works for a production company who has. Uh, more staying power. <laughs> um, no, I think I think I think it. Well, I think it will have legs um, eventually. But uh, where where that is is another question. Yeah, you know, it's very very difficult to to make that transition, obviously. And you know, but that's I you know it do, it does feel to me like it. it you know, the, that, the stories are strong enough. It feels like it's it, it, it. You know, you're straight in and you can absolutely see it working. And and it's very. I think because you work in TV as well. It's a very, it's very visual, and the, the visualization is, uh, is, is, you know, it's easy to see what, what it will become. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, look, I, I must recommend it uh, if you if you have kids. If you haven't got kids, buy it for yourself, but don't go out reading it in the park. You'll, you'll look weird. Um, <laughs> but do it hiding in your house and get discovered uh, by someone else doing it. But yeah, it's 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 uh, really terrific fun. Um, let's ask you some emergency questions. We are, like last time you were on, yes. I think I just published my emergency questions book and I think I did nothing but ask you emergency questions. So if you get the same one again, uh, do uh, let me know. I like you're to probably, think I'll have different answers. You're, you're probably, well, it's, you know, it's six, six. My son did not, I think my son, he existed, but in utero last time you were on and he just celebrated his sixth birthday yesterday. Uh, talking of, uh, of kids, TV, kids watching t- TV they shouldn't watch. Can I tell this story without looking weird? Ah, um, just cut it if you don't my, like it. My son was talking about, uh, he's six years old, he was saying, he said for some reason that, um, I, I think sexy thoughts, right, he said. And I said, what do you think about when you think about sexy thoughts? And he said, boobies and nunus. And then, and then, which, you know, like father, like son. And uh, good to see. Uh, but then my daughter said, Oh, The Simpsons has a lot to blame. I was going to say, because that's, that's uh, uh, Homer saying, think on sexy thoughts, think on sexy <laughs> yeah. thoughts, think on sexy thoughts. It's when uh, it's the episode with Mindy. Mindy, yeah. 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 We have, they are really, they're motoring through The Simpsons at the moment. 
So they've got to the bits that I never watched because it got too bad. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And so I haven't seen any of them. <laughs> and most of them go, well. uh, But occasionally, it's still, even as a bad show, it's still quite good. Right. Here's some emergency questions right. from 1001 Emergency Questions available in the foyer after the show. If you're following along at home, 289, you, you might have an answer to this because you're from Australia. Ooh. Have you ever met a shepherd? <laughs> that was some racism there. Some casual racism. Uh, we, have, we have shepherds in the UK. That's to be said. Uh, I don't, like, probably not knowingly. No. No, well, I, I, you know, I've been hiking and yeah. there's been a, a shepherd with their flock. Yeah. I was, I was in Italy last year. Oh, yeah. And I had to hike through a thing and their sheepdog was, was not happy with me being on the, and um, um, I was passing through the field. Oh, yeah. To do a hike and, and the sheepdog was not. Yeah, so tried tried to... She- the sheepdog tried to shepherd me out, and then the so shepherd. So you have met was... a shepherd. You've met a dog. I met a, a shepherd. dog shepherd, and then the human shepherd was yelling at, at the dog in Italian. Okay. And I was like, um, "Sorry, uh, I don't know what sorry is in Italian. What's sorry in Italian? Mi dispiaccio. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know if anyone. Don't say that. Don't say that to an Italian person. Good. I don't, think I don't think I've met a shepherd. You have to be careful those sheep can gang up and get you. So, you know, or is that cows? Um, <laughs> or is it cows? Right, look, we'll try another one. Um, I've got to, I've got to think about... Think that, that one's a kind of UK-centric. Did I ask you about uh, a human centipede last time you were on? I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't um, recall. Um, if you were going to be put in a human centipede, uh-huh, do you know yep. what a human centipede is, first yes, of all? Yes, I'm aware uh, of the concept. And you're, you're going to be put in the middle, but the mad scientist doing it is going to kindly allow you to choose the person ahead of you and behind you. Okay. Who yeah. would you like in front of you and who would you like behind you in the, oh, in the right. human centipede? Like a type of person or a very specific but person? Either. You can, you can judge it. And with all these questions, you answer it how you feel. Well, and I mean, then I, we I, get ideally someone inside. constipated in the front. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, who would I want at the front? Um, oh, who's gonna? Who, who's probably got the best digestions? It's probably like Gwyneth Paltrow or someone. Yeah. Right? someone who's got like it probably comes out like filtered. Well, if you like, if you like get a, a candle, you know what you're going to be smelling. So it's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for maybe Gwyneth Paltrow at the front, and uh, who at the back? Ah, uh, I mean, now is it someone who? Who I want their lips on my buttocks, <laughs> or is it, or is it someone who I disrespect? Oh, what an interesting choice! I mean, not many people think. Hey, Shall I get someone who I like the idea of their lips? You don't, you um, wouldn't think of that. I wouldn't think of that. You know, it's a part of it, isn't it? I think because I, I think if it was someone I respected, I'd feel bad. I'd yeah, spend the whole time. I'm so sorry, and also I have IBS. I don't. Yeah, yeah I don't respect the poor person behind me. Do you know what? Just someone dead. I think dead. <laughs> dead <laughs> I mean, person. They would be pretty soon. To be yeah. fair, they'll die first, then you'll die. Yeah. And then Gwyneth Paltrow's dragging your corpses along. <laughs> until they... I mean, I guess you'd rot off eventually. It would, uh, the stitches would... Yeah. Your lips would rot. Yeah. Gwyneth could just wiggle her bum until... That... Then it just sort of, like a gecko's tail. Yeah. Just sort of drops off. I think we've got an idea for the next uh, Horror Heights book. So yeah. I think we've... Uh, I think we've found... I think we've found out. The human gecko. <laughs> So let's look. So you mentioned stand up, and you, you you haven't been doing as much stand up, but partly because of lockdown, I would I would presume. Yes. But are you getting back into doing stand up? And yeah, what is it? Are you? It must be the 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 flip charts must be too difficult to come up with new stuff all the time, right? So you do lots of different things as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a very I have, as I said, I have a short attention span. So um, my stand up is a little bit of like jokes, but also flip charts, but also just whatever weird funny ideas occur to me and I think, oh, I'll try that out and see how that works. Um, so, yeah, but it's been strange because I was, uh, we were filming Makeaway Takeaway um, sort of in the second half of lockdown and then into the, the early, you know, the years coming out of lockdown and then I was writing the books and I was just so, so busy doing those and then writing on some other shows and stuff that I just didn't have the energy to, mm. to do stand-up and then just didn't feel like being funny. Like kind of like it was that sort of thing where a lot of my friends were just excited to get back on stage and, and I don't know about you, but they were all just all like, oh, finally I get to go and do jokes again. And I was like, I can't think of anything funny. <laughs> I feel like, what? If, am I weird for not finding 
the, the pandemic funny? Like, <laughs> like I'm not finding it funny. It's, it's yeah. And so yeah. it's taken me a it's taken me a while to feel silly again and feel yes. like it's okay to be silly and safe to be silly because I feel like I got a lot of my silliness out. Yeah, well, other that's things. good. You know, and... it's good to have that. You know, I agree. I've, I've, well, I sort of liked being at home uh, during the pandemic, you know, and I kind of liked being with the family. And then the idea of touring seemed like too, for, you know, until now. Seemed yeah. Like, and now I've had enough of them. Uh, so I'm back <laughs> out on the road again. But, uh, but no, it's, you know, it, it, it did take a little while to want to come back to it. So I think everyone was going at their own pace. Some people were like hungry to, I guess if you only did stand up. And you, had, and you were stopped from doing stand-up, you would be very hungry to get back to do stand-up. But if you're doing other things, then you kind of think, well, I've, you know, I can, yeah. I can think about this for a while. And whatever. Yeah. I think one of the things that I forgot is how, because when I, I moved here and for stand-up, to do stand-up um, to the UK, and so all of my, pretty much my entire social circle here is almost entirely comedian-based. Yes. I've tried to make friends outside of it, but it keeps coming back around. <laughs> like, I'll make friends with someone who are like, oh, you're a nurse, tell me about that. And they're like, da 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 oh, and also my brother's a stand-up. And it turns out I know their brother. And like, like <laughs> this is a very small world. Yeah. And so I, I hadn't really considered that my entire social life stopped. Yes. And then, and then they all started without me, you know. And then so when I'm starting to come back out, it's not just like coming back out and writing and trying to be funny and and get back out there on stage again. But it was also a case of, like, learning how to be social again. And Because I used to be super social and, like, really happy to be in... I was very extroverted and very happy in large crowds. And then suddenly I was like, oh, I, I've, I, I haven't been socialising at all for ages. Yeah. And, yeah. No, I think I, I'm only just feeling that as well. I, I think I just got used to, you know, just being with the same people I'm very happy to be with. But it did feel like, oh, you know, now, now I'm just starting to think, oh, you know, yeah, maybe I should meet some other human beings that I haven't created out of my penis. <laughs> or, or created other human beings with. I mean, that's how it works. If you didn't know. <laughs> like a... I've just, yeah, no, I'm, I, it does sound like a sort of type of gun, doesn't it? Like <laughs> it does. just, and then just a person appears. It is the way I use it. <laughs> and are you still doing the, the puns? Are you, the, is the pun the still pun a big run. thing? The pun run thing you pun do? Run, pun run was a pun-based comedy night that I, I would run where the, all the comics had to do only puns. And almost always uh, someone who had not done it before would show up and think... Well, they're not going to want just a set of puns and they'll start doing a normal set and the audience will sit there silently and they'll be like, oh, I'm dying. And then they'll do a pun and the audience goes, ah! and they're like, oh, no, this is what they're here for. Like, yeah, it's weird. As soon as you tell an audience this is going to be all puns, they'll that's go, they yep, want. that's what I've signed up for. I'm on board. <laughs> the motto of pun run was uh, a groan is as good as a laugh. Okay. And, uh, and it worked really well. I Well, yeah, it, it's not, I mean... Nothing's ever completely over, is it? It's, it's. Uh, I might, I might put on another one uh, at some point when I, when I've remembered how to to run a night. Yes. Yeah. What, what about what? What appeal? Because puns often don't appeal to comedians, or a lot of comedians are snooty about puns. I mean, it's difficult to do a good one, isn't it? I well, I again, I think it's what the audience expects. Like I think, yeah. in order, because puns are generally very quick. They're short one-liner type things. And so if you go to see a comic or do a long thing and they have this whole bit and then it ends in a pun, you sort of get this, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, that's... Or people see it coming and then they're like, oh, okay. But if you have a night where... Also, because the rule was you could only do five minutes because any longer than five minutes was too much. <laughs> and so and as soon as you did that, yeah. then, then yeah, it just it's audience expectation. It's, it's the same as... Um, you know, like uh, reading out Christmas cracker jokes or whatever around the table. Like, yeah, sometimes they're awful, but sometimes you're just in the right mood for them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, that is, it, it is, I'm, you know, I, I'm all for corralling them safely into their own night. <laughs> you have to choose to go and see. I'm very... Yeah. You, whatever you do in the privacy of your own little pun club, that's <laughs> fine. There I don't was, want them out in the real world. There were a couple of years when that when when that club was because it would it would sell out like four hundreds like really like it would sell out a lot. It was getting really popular, um, and there there's some comics that would sort of go there and do five minutes and absolutely bring the house down. And so they go, I've got this five minutes of puns. It's really solid. <laughs> and so there was about two years of Edinburgh Fringes where all these comics had like five minutes of puns in their shows and <laughs> bewildered audiences would be like, why are they doing five minutes of puns? Because they'd, 
wrongfully assumed that uh, everyone was going <laughs> to love them after that. Yeah. So I, I apologize for that. <laughs> Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Right, and look, I was in, you know, you did your, you did your, an act on Jonathan Ross that you wrote specially for the Jonathan Ross show, right? Yes. But I'm sort of fascinated by those chat shows, the proper chat shows, not like this rubbish that you're on. Oh, uh, where they get, where they, <laughs> where they've got where, real guests. Where they get real proper. And they're actually of, famous. <laughs> but, you know, they were, you, you, you were amongst all these celebrities. Yeah. How, A, did, what did they talk to you after? What was it like? Off screen is what I mean. Did you get to mi- mingle? Yes, I got yeah. to mingle. Uh, so the coolest thing was is when I went, they've got like the little, they call it the green room, but it's they film it. It's um, so in the Jonathan, oh, yes, right, they yeah. sort of sit you know, backstage, uh, quotation marks, and they're, they're sat on this sofa watching the screens of what's happening on the, um, uh, being filmed. And, uh, and so it was uh, Sharon Osbourne, uh, Rylan, um, Rita Ora, yeah, good. Uh, well, the the main one I remember is David Tennant because I'm That's a huge David Tennant yeah, fan, and uh, and I have a life size cut out of David Tennant oh, that, <laughs> that I've had since 2009, and um, so much so that at Christmas we put a little Christmas hat on it, and um, and instead of Santa visiting, I say the doctors visited, and um, the, <laughs> you don't have a stocking, you get a a sock, and inside the sock is the other sock. Uh, that's what the doctor gives you at Christmas. It makes more sense rather than Santa. He's got a TARDIS. Yeah, you can do it. You can get around it. Yeah, way yeah. more sense than a sleigh. So, um, so yeah, so uh, uh, I've had that cut out. And then it was 2019 that we filmed that, the Christmas, this Christmas special. And so it was like 10 years after I'd had this life-size cut out. And, um, and I walked in and he was sitting there and... Um, uh, Jonathan Ross had just put on a video of one of my flip charts for them to watch while they were busy preparing the stage or something. Right. So I walked in and David Tennant went, oh, hello. And he stood up and shook my hand and said, I've just been watching your videos. You're very funny. And I died. I, I, I died and this is my ghost talking to you now. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, the, it was the best thing. He was so lovely. Oh, good. Um, he was very, very nice. Uh, uh, Rylan was, uh, was very, very lovely. Yeah. And, uh, and now if you don't um, list everyone else, I won't, lovely, I won't list gonna... anyone else. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then Rita Ora's uh, entourage took, took all the chairs when they all went on stage and I had nowhere to sit, so I stood awkwardly there. <laughs> they weren't the guests, but that's fine. Wow, that's, yeah. you, you shouldn't have stood for that. I mean, you had to stand for that, but you shouldn't have stood no. for that. <laughs> what is, 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 again, that was, must have been like a one-off chart, though. You couldn't really use that. Well, there was actually Jonathan Ross Yeah, so, it was it. A, so I made a Christmas misheard lyrics thing for it, which were all misheard Christmas carols, um, but I, I drew all of the guests into the flip chart. So, um, so I actually do have a photo of, of uh, David Tennant next to the one that I've drawn him on. Yes. Um, uh, so, yeah, that, that was a very... That was a one-off one. Yeah. And, uh, and they gave me a week... A week's notice. Right. Normally they take me about two months to make. 
And uh, and the reason they I did have longer, but they couldn't finalize what the songs were until a week before, wow. because they had to get you know to work out whether they could get the rights to yeah. play the music, and then they kept changing what it was. And I spent three days drawing. So I had one which was. I had one which was to the Coca-Cola, you know, holidays are coming, holidays are coming. But it was all the bees are coming, all the bees are coming. And when that ad comes out, you're going to hear that now and you're going to think of me and you'll go, Beck Hill, she was right, right? It sounds like all the bees are coming. I spent three days drawing pages and pages of gradually more and more bees. It like took me and I coloured them all in and everything and it was uh, it was uh, Jonathan Ross being surrounded by more and more bees. They swarm around him and his eyes move and sort of follow them around. And uh, and then um, just as I was like about to finish the final bit on that page, I got an email from them saying, "Sorry, we don't have the rights to it. We've just found out. Like they'd cleared it with me, so I'd started it, and then they went, "Oh, actually, no, we can't do it." And I was like, "I've just spent three days drawing bees." <laughs> I can't, yeah. Do you just rip them out of the pad in that instance or is it? Why don't rip them out? I sort of, I I undo the spines with a pair of pliers and then peel them out. I've still got it. Maybe I should auction that off for charity. It's in the cupboard with the other failures. That would be, you know, I think you would raise a lot of money for charity with those things. I mean, even a page at a time, you could do a page, you know, you don't have to sell the whole thing. You could say. I I mean, it's a bit weird with just, if you don't have the the context. Maybe. Just here's a page of bees. (laughs) I'll sell like eight individual pages around the world and then they can all meet up and join them. It'd be nice. It's like the itching, when they do the itching, scratchy yeah, thing in the frame, Simpsons. Yeah. You get a hand. <laughs> you spent a hundred quid on that. You know, you get whatever you get. Um, look, there's loads of things actually I want to talk to you about. You were on Gigglebiz, which is... Uh... I wrote on Gigglebiz. Oh, do you write on it? Yeah, oh, sorry. Uh, I must have misread IMDb. I, th- I thought you were, I thought you had acted in it. No. What did you write one episode? You wrote on one episode of Gigglebees. I wrote uh, I wrote a bunch of uh, DIY Dan sketches. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah, which was just Justin Justin Fletcher. Fletcher. Did he come in? Did he Did uh, he workshop with you? No, no, I never no. met him. Never met oh, him. That's what I wanted to ask I, you about. There was one thing I didn't like about writing. Well, I wrote a sketch. I was very proud of this. So the DIY Dan. This is on CBBS. It's for toddlers, and DIY Dan is a character that Justin Fletcher plays. There's no talking. Uh, and it's that he fixes something and he gets it wrong and then there's clowning. And it's a fun thing to write because you're not writing any dialogue. You're just sort of like, yeah. how can I bring this to the page? Um, and so I had one sketch that I loved, which was um, he's got a grandfather clock and he pulls all the chimes out of it and then he shoves a bunch of rubber ducks in it and then he stands it up and then the clock goes to like three o'clock and then it quacks three times, right? That was the sketch. That was it. Like, I've got to remind you, this is for toddlers. And, uh, and it came back and the notes said, um, we can't use this because uh, the concept of time is too much for three-year-olds. <laughs> I was like, how are they going to learn about it? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, again, I just thought, Really? Because even if you don't get it, you'll be like, oh, it's, it's put some ducks in there and it's making quack noises. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. And then later, you'd be like, oh, no, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, those but, people don't know what they're talking about. No. You're, the, I, you're the genius here with the duck, the clock colour. Thank duck. you. Yeah. Do you want to know the, be, the best notes I ever got back yeah, on a script? Was I wrote on a show called Lucas the Spider, um, which is a, a CGI spider and a, a bunch of other animals. Um, it's a, a Canadian-based show. And... Um, and I, they had children voicing the characters, and I got some notes back on a script. And you've got to mind, this is very short dialogue. They came back and they said, Can you make the dialogue even shorter? It's just some of the actors can't read yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's the cutest note I've ever received because it just it had to be something that they can hear and repeat quite easily and quickly. <laughs> so that's adorable. That is nice. Mm. I like Google Biz. I, wa- I haven't watched CBeebies for a long time because the kids have got, I've outgrown it. And I miss <laughs> it. It used to be when, that, when they were little, the presenters on, I did a big routine about this, but the presenters on. CB was like my only friends. And, uh, my son still watches Andy's Dinosaur Adventures and I love, love Andy's one of my good friends. I've been in love with Rebecca. Uh, I did, a th- I did a, a, quite a, a full-on routine about um, the Furchester Hotel or I was talking about it a lot. I can't remember which way around this was and then they invited me to... I, said, I think I said I wanted to fuck Vanilla from the Furchester Hotel. And they're like, come and do it, mate. Come and do it. 
in the metro, and they invited me to the CBBS with my daughter, my son was like, <laughs> to go and meet the, all the Furchester Hotel people. Uh, and they were really, the woman who did the, the Fenella was really flattered about it, even though I didn't fancy her, I fancied the puppet, I'm not saying. Yeah. And she made I, it. I really, I really uh, fancy Hacker T Dog. Okay, yeah, he's, well, he's good. Yeah, he's I, uh, very fanciful. I got to do Dog Ate My Homework with him once. I do. And, uh, and, uh, and that, like, when, when they're not filming, he still stays in really? character because they might start filming at any moment. And, uh, and I was staring at the puppet trying to work out how the mechanics inside of it work because his eyebrows will move and everything. Well, he's, and very, was, he's very funny. He's very funny. And funny. I was staring at the, the puppet and then, and then he was sitting at a desk and he noticed me staring at him and he turned and looked at me and just went and like, did this big <laughs> grin right at me and I just went oh and like I just like you know when someone you're sort of checking out notices you're checking them out and you go a bit like blushy <laughs> I just went I just like felt my whole face go and I was like oh no I've got a crush on a puppet yeah um, well it's very normal and I do it I do as well yeah I think that that video that the viral video of Hackety Dog and the oh, girl Lauren, talking about the innocent men yes it's, normal the, men, we're just normal the men. normal men. There's a, there's a sort of raw sexuality to that clip, I think. It's very, <laughs> this girl's really laughing at this dog, and it's like and there's something going on. There's a real I know the real whole, Do you know the story behind that? No, well, I don't. I've heard various things. But on television. Oh, because um, I've, I've worked with both of them. And, um, and it's just that, that basically they were... Because afterwards, they, um, you know, you go to the... the you put it up in a hotel near, near the, where they film... And there's like the hotel bar, and so they're outside drinking and stuff. And then just some like drunk guys came up, and we're just like, we're just normal men. We're just like we're sort of like harassing them, like right. we're just normal men. We're just normal men. And so they were sort of laughing about it. And so yeah, when he said it the next day, uh, oh, it wasn't the dog drinking. It was um, Phil the, uh, <laughs> the puppeteer. He's really in character. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah. So when he when he said it, obviously, you know, she's stuck in that whole thing of like. Yeah. Oh, I can't respond to this because this is an outside of work thing. But you can get away with saying it because you're a puppet. But it's yeah, very good. It's really very good. Really threw her. Yeah. Uh, anyway, for, she met, the lady made Vanilla chew my ear, and it was quite sexy. So it was, you know, it was a good job my family was there because yeah. I, I was. Is I, it I, a good I, job? <laughs> otherwise, well, I think then I had to leave with them. Otherwise, I might have been in a kind of. Some people like those fur. There's a, that's a kink, isn't it? Furries, furries, so yeah, furries, furries. Yeah, I feel like there's going to be a. I feel like one day Phoebe's going to be in therapy. <laughs> I think it goes back to when I saw my dad <laughs> in a compromising position with a puppet from television. I mean, the puppet came onto. But I didn't do anything to the. I mean, I'd said I wanted to fuck the puppet in the paper, but. Once we were there, I was very polite, and then the puppet came onto me, and that is my. That is the the defense rests. <laughs> <laughs> But then I met Justin Fletcher, but we had to wait in... Uh, my daughter didn't really even like it. Is him, that because you said you wanted to fuck yeah, him? Yeah, is he? Yeah. <laughs> he said, like, does he want to fuck a puppy? Oh, yeah, I have to talk to Mr. Tumble. Uh, he's going to have a word with you about this to sort you out. We had to wait in the corridor for fucking Mr. Tumble for half an hour. We were like, we weren't going to drive Mr. home. Mr. Rough and Tumble, I think. Yeah, yeah, it might be. We were going to drive home from, you know, it's, it's in Salford. We lived in, you know, we lived in London. So it was a long drive home. We had to wait for uh, half an hour for him to come out. He was very nice in the end. But my daughter wasn't really that impressed. She just fell over. And I said, don't do that to Mr. Tumble. That's, that's his shtick. <laughs> you can't fall over in front of Mr. Tumble. It's a very, you know, but it's exciting to be there. They kept Rebecca away that day. It was uh, Ben, I think, was there that uh. day. <laughs> no, it's too late. No, it's too late. Um... What was Planet... The, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was Planet Nerd that I saw in... Do you remember what that was? Oh, an aud- audition, yeah. you, play, you were an auditionee in Planet Nerd. I think Very that, early. Yeah, you've really gone down the IMDb... I have. Uh, well, what do you know? Wikipedia and IMDb, that, that that's it. I think that was a community television wow. show that my housemate made when I was 18. Wow. And I, I think I was just... I, I can't even remember. I think they just asked me to film a thing. Right. I can't, it was very, yeah, it was, it was all like sketches based on comic books. Yeah. And I just thought the Planet Nerd is quite, you know, the, the, there is this, you do a, a podcast about mathematics, that's pretty nerdy. Yeah, yeah, Problem Squared. Well, it's not, it's not about mathematics. Okay. It's our listeners send us problems and we solve them. That's mathematics, that, that's mathematics. Well, that's about mathematics, that's all mathematics is. You can't say it's not about mathematics, that's... Literally, what mathematics is what is problems. problems that people then solve. I mean, that's all mathematics is. 
So it's literally about mathematics. So if, if I was thirsty, which is yeah. a problem, yeah. would you say the solution was maths? Yes, I would say you have to drink a certain volume of water. Oh, and okay. I'll, <laughs> we'll work out exactly how much oh, that you're is. you're one of them. Everything's <laughs> maths. Um, no, it's true. Everything is... It's, it's, yeah, I, I, I host it with a, um, math, a mathematician YouTuber called Matt Parker. Yeah. And, uh, and he's great. I, um, good old friends. Um, and he used to be a maths teacher. My dad's a maths teacher. My brother's a maths teacher. And I thought I'd gotten away from that when I moved here. <laughs> and now I host a podcast with a maths teacher. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, but we get a lot of maths questions because yeah. a lot of the listeners are his fans. Um, but the, the thing is, is that I don't, I, I, look, I'm related to maths people, but I, I, I don't have the attention span to really really put myself into it and so when he's answering that when he's solving their problems it, he has to be able to explain it so that i can understand it okay and um and it's surprisingly fun yeah i really enjoy it and i'm, I'm always surprised when people go like oh yeah I, I don't really like maths but i really like i really like your podcast and i'm like yeah i feel the same <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah it's, i was it's listening fun. today it's really you know, again it's really good fun it's really enjoyable yeah and you know i, I kind of like i was into maths and I nearly did maths at university, but my dad, my dad's a maths teacher, and was so my dad taught me maths at school because I went. My dad was my headmaster oh, wow. and my A level maths teacher. Oh my goodness! Um, so that was a bit weird. But, and then you saw him go. But I sort of think I think I thought when I was a kid, I thought, oh, I've got to do the, you know, I'll follow in the footsteps of my dad, and I didn't really like maths that much. I'm glad I didn't do it at university. Yeah. Um, so What's your favourite? equation um you know but like i i this is the nightmare that i constantly have that i'm <laughs> sitting my math a level again but it's me now so it doesn't don't never quite chimes that i'm 56 years old in it but i constantly have it and i and i don't know anything i can't you know we did calculus i can't even remember what that was about or why we did it or what, how it worked yeah uh, so I, I, don't, I think if you put me down in front of an you know, o-level math paper i would struggle to get anything right and i was pretty good at maths as a kid it's it is strange it's a, like it's a practice thing isn't it yeah. i've started doing one of those brain training apps in the morning and it gives me like little maths problems because i'm trying to get because i do that thing where if someone gives you a maths problem immediately you freeze up and you just forget all numbers and anything, and then you're like, oh, no, no, no. and so you just end up putting it into your phone because your brain can't function. And I'm, I'm trying to get past that that <laughs> block that you get when someone quickly, yeah. So relearning how to do percentages. Yeah, yeah. Do you have that dream where you have a sitting exam. Sometimes it's French A level. I didn't even do French A level. Oh, and I can't speak French, so it's, that's a horrible one. Yeah. Constantly, I have it so often that sometimes in the dream, I think this is like the dream I have. Oh no. But I don't think that impossible dream where I'm back doing A levels with some French, 18 Have you ever? I'm tried, never 18. Maybe if you start trying to learn French, you'll stop having the dream. Maybe, but it's like ne- you know, I'm never, I'm never 18. So it's me now. It never gonna goes. Why am I? I don't need my A levels. It's so weird because it's like you know, why, why do I need my A levels? I've, I've already got a life. I've got, I'm married. I've got kids, and I've got a job. It doesn't mm. matter if I don't have an A level that I never got. Yeah, Why is my know. subconscious so worried about it? I think, you know, it obviously had a massive... I was obviously worried about my exams and it's never left me. Yeah. I, I, I get weirdly ones where I'm, I'm at the Edinburgh Fringe and I have to put on a show and I haven't written one. Yeah. That's like the comedian version. Like, the, that's yeah, the... That's yeah, the yeah, of that one. The, my most recurring, recurring one is the one where you need to go to the toilet but none of the toilets have doors or walls. And I thought uh, that that was weird, but then I've I've met other people now who have the same one. But yeah, so you need, weird, you, you find people. a loo and either like there's just no door on there, or you go in and it's like the, there's cubicles, but all the walls between them have been removed. <laughs> and so, and more often than not, no, my theory is that, uh, and someone will be listening and they'll recognise this and be yeah. like, oh, so this is for the you know one percent. I'm learning percentages, guys. Um, that might uh, res- this might resonate with, but I my theory is that you have that dream because you need to pee in real life, yeah. but your brain knows it can't let you pee because you are in your bed asleep. <laughs> and so it, you're thinking of going needing the toilet, yeah. but then your brain suddenly puts in a reason why you can't use the toilet, okay. which might be that there's no door or you're, you know, it's, it's just a toilet in the middle of a, 
of a room or, yeah. you know, with other people around. I never so. had that dream because I would just go anyway. You would just pee. Yeah, yeah. no, that's I'd fair. I'd go and I'd fair. like it. Yeah, you would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, my, my brain goes, yeah, don't think of that. Put him, put him on his own. He can never go on his own. Have you had the broken teeth one? No, and yeah, not too, not too. Uh, so visceral, that one. I've had teeth falling out. Yeah, but not. I think that but feeling never far. leaves you, does it? Of like the the when the tooth falls, you, you everyone can remember that gummy feeling. Yeah. Of the yeah, it's very strange how that never never leaves you. Yeah. Can I use this opportunity to tell people that I'm the adult tooth fairy? <laughs> yes. I'm trying. So I started this just before lockdown, <laughs> and it only and then it started to gain momentum, and then lockdown happened. So I was trying to start it. So basically, I think it's sad that kids have a tooth fairy, but not adults. Yeah, me too. So I was like, okay, so if you're 18 or over and you have your own teeth, whether it's your old, you know, your baby teeth never, you were visited by a tooth fairy, I don't know, or if you've had teeth extracted or whatever, uh, I, I will buy them from you. <laughs> I, I give, it's two pounds of tooth, five pounds for a wisdom tooth or a pint. And at the moment, it's actually better to take the pint. Nice. Um, uh, and so I'd, I'd managed to buy a woman's, uh, a woman had, um, managed to find her baby teeth yeah. when she was clearing, clearing out. Um, a, a woman that I'd never met before, uh, on, on, we were on the internet, and she was like, yeah, you can have my teeth. So I bought her teeth from her. Yeah, that's not strange at all. <laughs> I've still got them. I, what my aim is to get enough teeth. Someone made me a fake, because I never went to uni. You're talking about you didn't get your A-levels. I didn't go to uni. I didn't get a, a degree or anything. So what I, uh, someone made me a uh, an official adult tooth fairy, like grown-up tooth fairy certificate. So okay. I, I want to get enough teeth to make a decorative frame for it <laughs> out of human teeth. So I'm just putting it out there. If anyone's 18 or over and wants to sell me their teeth. I mean, it's better than most serial killers who will kill you and do that. Yeah, I'm you're, not you're asking it. for teeth that are gone. I'm not going to take it out for you. Yeah. So, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I will tell you what, it is like getting, like, if you, it, it's very expensive to get your wisdom teeth out, taken out. Yeah. So at least, you know, make yeah, back, back a little bit of money. Five pounds back. Ask, ask your dentist to keep them. You, get in I, touch with me, I'll come and buy you a pint. <laughs> there, there should be other fairies for other parts of the body if you lose. So they, I, was, I was hoping I'd put my testicle under the pillow, I'd get. <laughs> And you've got to get a lot for those because they don't come up very often, do they? <laughs> so you put that under the pillow. Do you get more for a pair? <laughs> I th- yeah, probably get more for a pair. Yeah. Uh, we actually did you know, so many things about my, uh, my experience. Uh, of, I had testicular cancer. You may not know. So I'm, I'm all right. It's okay. Uh, and, uh, but like we'd done in, fist, in this morning, which not Judy, we had a testicle fairy who was coming for my testicles. <laughs> Uh, it was uh, maybe it was Paul Putner dressed up. I can't remember who played the testicle fairy. And then uh, you know, and then it came true. So be careful, careful what you wish for. So Paul Putnam showed Paul, up. Someone <laughs> came up and took my testicle and gave me a pound under my pillow. You uh, should have turned. Oh no, it's not. It's the testicle. It's not the scrotum. I was going to say you could turn it into a little pouch. Yeah. Like you know how kids get a pouch for their teeth. Yeah. <laughs> get a little. Well, bit. You, get, you know, there's some room yeah, in there if you want to. you want to store some teeth somewhere. If you've got too many and you want to keep them in a safe place, there's room in there. There's about that, there's about that you want much to keep room. You some teeth in you. I could get a lot of baby teeth in there. <laughs> I think I would have to insert them. I mean, it would work. I could insert them. Would it, get, would it eventually get there if I... No, it wouldn't, would it? No. You need if I inserted like little... them in uh, the old herring's eye. <laughs> so why don't we rename that? Um, you know, we can open up. We can open the sack up. Yeah. Fill it with children's teeth. <laughs> I did not expect this podcast to go to, uh, to end on this note, but I'm very Someone glad with it has. a very interesting bingo card going, yeah. I never thought that would come up, actually. Yeah, yeah great. When I did the fa- Festival of Transgressive Art, I was involved, because I'm an artist, but I'm a performance artist. Um, and so there's a thing called the Transgressive Art Festival that um, most people who went were nailing their genitals to things. The woman who was on before. Sorry, can we? No, you just you're about to glide right past. Yeah, that. There, were like, there was. It's all like doing stuff. With, all transgressive art basically is people doing weird thing with their own genitals. So there was a lady actually making a vagina do karaoke for twenty four hours. <laughs> Be that Barry here from EastEnders. <laughs> um, and there was uh, there was some guy. I, I don't know if they were nailing themselves, but it was all that sort of thing. The woman on before me was taking baby teeth out of her vagina. No. Yeah. That was, her, that was her art. Do you think she'll sell them? Um, <laughs> I know a guy. I mean, they might need to wash them. Um, 
I mean, that's good advice for all teeth. Yeah. All dirty. Um, uh, I played myself at snooker for an hour. Oh, yeah. That was my transgressive yes, art. You did. And the transgressive artists all walked out in disgust. <laughs> so, who was the real winner? They I offended the transgressive artist with. They were my expecting a different type snooker. of balls, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, they, were, they were like, this is just, yeah, plastic balls. Yeah. And uh, oh, that, oh, the delicious irony. <laughs> uh, look, enough talking about my balls. Unbelievably, we have they, uh, we have done an hour of talking. Can you believe that? It went past. Uh, weirdly, I'm pretty sure we talked about your balls last time. Yeah, we that? probably. <laughs> again, foreshadowing. It was for the, it was a foreshadowing. Yeah. Of, uh, but I look forward to having uh, your collection of children's teeth in my scrotum. <laughs> and uh, I look for you you're working on a new show right a new stand up show and uh, oh inevitably yeah, yeah there'll be it'll, well it'll be, about that. it'll be about going how, on now. it'll be called how I got these teeth uh, <laughs> into Richard Herring's testicle it's quite it's a story scrotum. and I do massively recommend a Horror Heights perfect Christmas gift for uh, yes. any youngsters in your life along with the work of Catherine Wilkins I have to uh, promote her work as she well. That's amazing. my wife, Catherine Wilkins. Yeah, doesn't work under her married name. But you would you would promote her anyway because she's very funny. Her books are very. They good. are very. They're very good. She's got a new one coming out soon. Yes. Let's not let's not big her up in in your section. I don't. Right. I think she's great. There's room for everyone. Mm. But go and buy some books by non-famous comedians, uh, not the not the ones who just are cashing in on their fame. Yeah. The ones who've worked hard and written brilliant books. Is yeah. what I'm saying, like Becky. And with illustrators that haven't previously illustrated much loved children's classics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's cheating. So. We could all sell books if we had Quentin Blake drawing <laughs> the bloody pictures. Jeez. But look, it's so lovely to see you again. Ladies and gentlemen, give a massive round of applause. I'm back here. Go and have a drink and a wee. We'll see you in next week's show in 20 minutes. You have been listening to Rahulastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Beck Hill. Thank you to Scamp Regard for playing this music every time, fresh. It sounds the same every time we play it. The I'm indebted to my friend, Chris Evans, not that one or that one, and his son, Ben Evans. Let's never forget him. He's not that one either. Uh, thank you to Beck Cliff. Thank you to uh, George Lingford. Thank you to everyone at the Assembly Hall Theatre in Royal Tunbridge Wells. Uh, this is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFastTheStripe.com production! Meet 2024's most anticipated robot vacuum, Eufy X10 Pro Omni. With powerful 8,000 PA suction and MopMaster's dual mop pads, it keeps your floor sparkling clean. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards, and Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Thanks very much, richardherring.com slash Rahalastapa for those remaining Rahalastapa dates, Rahalastapa, and richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour to find out all the tour dates for my upcoming stand-up. Would love to see you at those ones. Please book tickets if you can. All right, enjoy another podcast. Don't listen to anyone else's podcast but mine. Stay faithful, and I'll see you on the next one. Bye. <laughs>